It is great to gather together as the people of God on this uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving and on uh, the Sunday before Advent, where as Pastor Mary referred to, we are going to launch into uh, an Advent series next week and talk about the joy of our longing hearts, and we're going to lean into that um, beginning next Sunday. Um, today, the Sunday usually after Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving, depending on where Advent falls, um, we do celebrate um, missions. And I think, I think the children already departed. Did the children already depart? Nope, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the no, they did not. Children, you may depart. And as they go, we just pray God's blessing would be upon them, that their hearts would be open to the very love of God that we just sang about. So as they go, let them go in the power of God's Spirit. And there's some from the balcony heading down to you. Awesome. So we reserve the Sunday before or after Thanksgiving as a time of focus on the global church. And it's typically a mission Sunday. But the truth is, the church is, the church is not local or global. It's global, right? It's a combination of the both. Let me just give you an example of how that works here. Um, what you did last week was you provided enough groceries for 35 baskets to go not just to across our congregation, but across our city to different people in difficult places. And if I, I wish that we could like fil- take a camera with us and film when people at a school receive these baskets or people at a cancer ward receive these baskets and what, what those people say to us. So thank you so much for your contribution to that. And, and so 35 families received baskets of encouragement over Thanksgiving. And then just got um, an email last night from Carol and Bob Fonden. Um, we just finished up Operation Christmas Child. And when we stood out together with uh, the driver of the truck, who's also a pastor, we found out. And so when Bob said, we typically, we like to pray about this time, and I'm getting ready to do my pastor thing and pray. He goes, that's awesome. Let's pray. I'm a, I'm a new pastor in Lola. He starts praying. He lays hand on our truck, starts praying. I thought, holy smokes, I didn't even get to pray over the truck. The, the, the truck driver did that. It was so great. 6,500 boxes collected from around the region, deposited here, shipped around the globe. So local, global local. That's who we really are. That's what the Church of Nazarene really is. In fact, the Church of Jesus Christ did not start out local. It started as global. The day of Pentecost, there were people from all over the world, of the known world, gathered around Jesus. So in the Church of Nazarene, we have missionaries who have served very faithfully around the world. And today, we have the distinct privilege of having with us Dr. David Restrick and his lovely wife, Rhoda, they served as missionaries to Africa for three decades plus, and God really used them. David's going to be our speaker today. He's an educator, he's a theologian, and he's a pastor. But, you know, he's also our brother. And here's the one thing about David Restrick. In my years of being on the New England District and the, my interactions that I've had with David Restrick, here's the one thing about him that marks him. He has a sweet spirit of Jesus. And when I was praying towards this morning, I thought, oh, I just am so glad that the restricts are with us and that our brother's going to share 
But as David comes, why don't we welcome the restricts to our congregation today. Brother, why don't you come on down. pastor said that I was a, an educator, and most of our time in Africa I was teaching, and I like to be closer to my students, and so I feel like I'm kind of far away from you this morning, but the Lord will have to help us with that. If we were in Mozambique this morning in one of our, our churches out in the bush, uh, the first thing that your pastor would have said as he came to the pulpit would have been, hallelujah, and you all would have responded in, in your way. And then after he was finished, before he sat down, he would say, hallelujah, Again, hallelujah is always on the lips of our people there. As, as I read through the Psalms, I've come across a Psalm that I'm sure must have been written by a Mozambican, and I want to share it with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. And it begins with... Uh, that great greeting for Mozambique. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord as God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous the Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Hallelujah. It, it's a, a Mozambique psalm because of the hallelujahs on both ends. But it's also a Mozambique psalm because it describes so much of what God has done through our church in Mozambique. From the very beginning of the founding of the Church of the Nazarene in Mozambique, way back in 1922, God has been faithful to his workers and to the church. The first Nazarene missionaries in Mozambique were Charles and Pearl Jenkins. They had pastored the church down in Haverhill, Massachusetts, before going to Africa. And in those early days, it was a, a very difficult place for them to work. Uh, they were restricted by the colonial government from working in towns and cities. The government was very much dominated by the Roman Catholic Church, and they didn't want Protestants messing with too many of the people, and so they sent them way out into the bush where they couldn't do any harm. But God was in the bush, and God blessed the work of those missionaries, and people came to know Jesus, and the church grew in, in number and in spirit. Through the 1920s and then again in the 1950s, there were Holy Ghost revivals and people were confessing their sins and coming to Jesus. And God was preparing the church for what was to come. 
Through the late 1960s and early 70s, a, a war for independence was raging across the country, but God was faithful. Just after independence, uh, the country became a communist country. A Marxist government took over. The missionaries had thought when we get our independence, all the persecution will, will stop. Instead, it got worse. And two of our missionaries were put in prison. And some of our national leaders were also jailed. One of them was Reverend Manuel Tambi. He had been working in literature and pastoral training. And the police came to his home one morning. It's a different story. He knew that when he went to the office, the police would be waiting for him. And so he sat at the table with his wife and children after their breakfast, and he prayed for God's protection over that family. He got on the bus and went into the city, and as he had thought, when he climbed the stairs to the second floor office, the police were there, and he was taken into custody. And his family didn't see him for another seven weeks, and they didn't know if he was alive or dead. It was a terrible time for him. He had very little food to eat and very little water to drink and unsanitary conditions, and we were talking with him one day about those experiences, and Rhoda asked him, said, Mfundis, how, how did you make it through those difficult days in the prison? And he said, I recited the scriptures that I had remembered as a child. I had learned in Sunday school, and I quoted the scriptures, and I sang the hymns of the church. And he said, and God was faithful. I was able to share his, his good news with the others that were imprisoned with me, and some of them came to Jesus there in the prison. He said, I still see some of them. They're still walking with the Lord. Following that time of, of independence, a, a civil war broke out and raged for 16 years. It was a very difficult time, and many of our churches suffered through that civil war. Many of our churches were destroyed, and people were dislocated, but God was faithful even during those difficult days. We arrived in Mozambique at the end of 1992, just at the close of that civil war. And our task was to help to develop the seminary. It had been started as a night school even during that difficult time during the civil war. When we arrived, classes were being held at our Maputo Central Church, but we had a piece of property about 10 kilometers out of the city center. It was a beautiful piece of ground. We had plans to build a seminary, uh, but we also had 119 squatter families living on our land. And over the next couple of years, there was one obstacle after another, and the devil was working overtime. It seemed that he didn't want a Bible school there, but God was faithful. And gradually, the, the squatters were relocated into new homes and through the blessing of work and witness teams and, uh, and a pastor who had a vision for what God could do, he mobilized uh, at least 40 different work and witness teams from the Pacific Northwest that came over a period of 10 years. And we have a beautiful campus there on the outskirts. Well, now the city has grown and surrounded it. It, it was in the countryside when we started. Now it's almost city center. Uh, but we have graduated over 600 students from that seminary over the years, and they've gone out into all the corners of Mozambique and to some other countries as well. And, and we just praise the Lord for his faithfulness. 
It's nothing that we could have done on our own. There were many hands working hard to develop that school and to, to teach. And God was faithful. We were, we were excited about the buildings when they all went up because it gave us a place to call home for our students and for us. But the most exciting part of it was the students who graduated and went out to serve the Lord. I don't know if the pictures are there or not. Oh, they are. Bonifacio was one of our first students when we arrived there in Maputo. He, he had come from the far north of Mozambique in Nampula province, uh, about a thousand miles north of where the Bible school was located. Uh, he'd been kicked out of a Roman Catholic seminary because our church planter had met him on the street and gave him a copy of the Nazarene Manual. And he and three of his friends were reading the Nazarene Manual at the, at the Catholic seminary, and they began to ask questions of the priest who was teaching them. And the priest began to scratch his head. Where are these questions coming from? And one day he said, Bonifacio, where are you getting all these questions? And he held up the book and said, from this Nazarene Manual. Next thing he knew, he was on the outside looking in with his three friends. And uh, he felt called to preach, and so our church planter there, Jonas Mulati, said, we'll send you to the Bible school in Maputo. And so he and three others came from the Catholic seminary. While he was there, uh, he was introduced to some Wycliffe translators who were new into the country, and, uh, and he took a course in just a basic rudimentary course in Bible translation, went over to Swaziland to our, our sister school there and did a bachelor's degree in theology. Uh, he met his wife over there. She was a widow with two children, and, and they got married, and they went back up to the north of, of Mozambique to serve the Lord. Bonifacio pastored a church. He became our area coordinator. Uh, Wycliffe was working there in that part of the country, and he knew the language they were working in, and so they employed him to work along with them in Bible translation. And the Lord blessed Bonifacio and Busi and their family, and uh, Wycliffe translators decided uh, he's such an asset to us and to the church, we, we want to get him some more education. And so they paid for Bonifacio to go to university in South Africa. He did a master's degree in Old Testament went on to do a doctorate, PhD in Old Testament. His wife did a master's in linguistics. And today, Bonifacio is Africa Regional Director of Wycliffe Bible Translators. And he's traveling all over the African continent, and he's one of ours. And he's serving the church, and he's serving the greater church, as the Lord has been faithful to Bonifacio and to his wife. His oldest daughter is now a medical doctor serving in South Africa. And we just praise the Lord for what God has done in the life of Bonifacio and his family. Building the church, not as a pastor, but as the mobilizer of Bible translators all over the African continent. Another couple we want to share about is uh, Admirado and Celeste Chaguala. Uh, they've been here on our district a couple of times. You may have met them. Uh, they're both third-generation Nazarenes. Their grandparents were pastors, and uh, they grew up in the church. As, uh, as young teens, they spent a lot of time at our house with our kids that were early teens. And uh, we, we feel like they're just part of the family because they were with us so much of the time. 
both of them went off to college after they finished high school, and Admirado took a job in the bank. Uh, Celeste became our Bible school secretary, working with our director. And while they were working, God was calling. And they said yes to Jesus. And Admirado enrolled in the night classes of our seminary. And as a student, he got involved in the Jesus film ministry and was leading teams out into the country. We worked with him for several months uh, taking Jesus film teams out to the country and showing the films, and that produced lots of stories we won't tell this morning. He graduated from the seminary, and they pastored a little church, and then he was appointed to be uh, assistant to our field director. And then when the field director retired, a new one was, was appointed from Cape Verde, but Admirado knew the country, and he knew the people, and so he was placed in the position of coordinator, serving under our field strategy coordinator. In 2019, Admirado and Celeste were appointed as global missionaries with the Church of the Nazarene. And today they're serving in Ivory Coast as assistant to the regional director for the West African Regional Office Hub. And we can't help but feel a little bit of holy pride, thinking that our kids are serving as missionaries in West Africa. They said yes to Jesus, and the Lord has been faithful to them because he's faithful forever. Another one of our students, we met as a, as a middle school teenager at our Maputo Central Church. We were attending Central Church and, uh, and one Sunday, the pastor said, our, our, our junior high boys are going to sing a special for us. And they were sitting over here to the side of us, and, and this group of about 15 young boys got up, and they all came in, and they stood down here in front of the pulpit, and they began to sing. And we went like this. Each one sang in a different key. They sounded awful. But Jonas, this one, he was the leader, and he, he, was, he was directing them. And The following Sunday, same thing. Our junior high boys are going to sing for us this morning. We were forewarned and forearmed, and, and it hadn't gotten any better. It wasn't long after that, we moved to our Bible school campus, to a new home out there, and we began to attend the church on the campus, and we kind of lost track of Jonas. And several years went by, and uh, one evening, we were doing registration for our night classes, and who should come into my office but Jonas, now grown up. Uh, he'd finished high school, he'd gone on and done teacher training, but God had called Jonas to preach, and so he was coming to Bible school at night to prepare to be a minister. He was a straight-A student, and at the end of the first year, we had uh, a contact from our school in Brazil uh, they said, we have a layman here that would like to bring a Mozambican to study in Brazil at our Bible school here and do a theology degree in Portuguese. And so we surveyed our leaders and our students, and Jonas was the one selected to go to Brazil. He'd never been on an airplane in his life. He'd never been out of southern Mozambique. Uh, he was almost a basket case one Sunday morning. He was on his way to Brazil. And I got a phone call just as church was beginning. He was at the airport, and he said, they won't let me, 
get on the airplane. They don't think that my paper's in order. I said, Jonas, you show them your papers, tell them they are in order, and you're to go to Brazil because God is faithful. And I said, if you have a problem, call me back, and I'll talk to them. An hour went by. There was no phone call. We assumed he was on the plane, and a couple days later, we got an email from Jonas from Brazil. He made it. Uh, Jonas worked hard there in Brazil. He did a bachelor's degree in theology at our school at night. He said, what am I doing during the day? I've got to do something during the day. They helped him get enrolled into a Brazilian university. He did a bachelor's in education in the morning and a bachelor's in theology at night. Two degrees in four years. Then he went on to do a master's in theology. He said, if I'm here, I might as well go as far as I can. And he ended up doing a doctorate in theology as well. We wondered if he was ever going to come back. While he was there, he was on a missions trip to the north of Brazil, and uh, there was a young lady on that missions trip, and Jonas felt the Lord saying, she's going to be your wife. But Jonas was a good Mozambican. He was shy. He was not used to approaching young ladies without an introduction, and no one introduced him, and so he went back to school, and he never knew her name. But he was sure that God had said, she's the one who's going to be your wife. And so Jonas began to pray for her every single day. And he said, Lord, if this is really you saying that she's to be my wife, please make it possible for me to meet her again, because I don't know where she is. But he prayed for that young lady who's going to be my wife every single day. About a year went by, and they were organizing another missions trip to the south of Brazil. Jonas was to be a part of that trip, and they needed some other people to help fill in a couple of gaps. And wouldn't you know, one of the people chosen to fill in one of those gaps was that same young lady he had met a year before. Now his courage was a little bit strengthened because he'd been praying for her for a year, and so he sat down on the bus next to her. And before they got to their destination, he said, you know, the Lord has told me that you're to be my wife. (laughs) And she said, well, thank you very much, but I'm going to have to pray about that. And he said, that's fine. You can pray all you want. I've been praying for you for a year. Just take your time and I'll be patient. That's not the best way to find a wife. (laughs) But that was Jonas. They did talk more on that trip. And they got to know each other a little bit. And things started to develop. She was a pastor's daughter. She didn't live very far from the Bible school where he was studying. And uh, they began to see each other. And things were getting a bit serious. And then one day, Taish said to Jonas, "Uh, Jonas, what are your plans? You've been here now in Brazil for several years. Everybody here loves you. You love everybody here. You've become like one of us. Are are you going to stay here in Brazil? Or are you planning to go back to Mozambique? They said, well, I'm going back to Mozambique. They're expecting me to come back. I signed a contract that I would serve the church when I finished and came back. Does that make a difference? She said, if you had said that you were going to stay here in Brazil, I didn't want to see you again. Because when I was eight years old, God called me to be a missionary to Africa. And so if you're going back to Africa, 
I'll keep seeing you and maybe we can get married. Jonas and Taish got married in Brazil. And just before we were due to leave to come back to the States to retire, they came back to Mozambique. And Jonas took my place as academic dean of the seminary and his wife Taish found a ministry in our preschool and they just fit right in. But God had other plans. Today, Jonas and Taish are serving as missionaries with the Church of the Nazarene in Angola, on the other side of the African continent. We had the privilege to be with them at General Assembly, and we were able to lay our hands on them as they were commissioned as global missionaries with the Church of the Nazarene. And God sneaks up behind us and he says, I'm faithful forever. And we praise the Lord for his faithfulness to Jonas and Taish and their little son, David. You wonder where he got his name. <laughs> and they're being faithful to the call that he has placed upon them. And we praise the Lord. Another one of our graduates was named Philly Mao. He was in our very first graduating class from our seminary back in 1994. He was the son of that pastor who was put in prison. He was five years old sitting at the table when his dad prayed and went off to go to jail. And as he grew up, he decided he was not going to be a pastor. He was going to be an engineer, and he was going to make lots of money, and he was going to give to the church to support his pastor so that his pastor didn't have to suffer like his parents had. But during a youth camp, the Lord spoke to Philly Mao, and he said, Philly... I want you to preach. And Philly said, yes, Lord. And he stepped forward and he knelt at an altar and he said, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And he enrolled in the night classes of the Bible school. And then he went to South Africa where he could do a degree in theology. There he met Samantha and they got married. He went and did a further degree in education and uh, began studies for a Ph.D. in New Testament. We wondered if he'd ever come back to Mozambique. But God called, and he came back to Mozambique uh, and pastored one of our larger churches in the outskirts of Maputo and, and worked with our fellow missionaries in developing an extension program. And then our, our Bible school director uh, resigned, and the board of trustees had to elect a new Bible school director, and Philly Mao was elected to be our Bible school director, and he became my boss. And we worked together for a couple of years, um, and then he got stolen from us and was sent to our regional office to be the regional education coordinator. 2009, Eugenio Duarte, our regional director, was elected general superintendent, and Philly Mao was made Africa regional director for the Church of the Nazarene. Today, uh, Philemon Shambu is our general superintendent, and uh, he's going to be our New England general superintendent in June, and you'll get to meet him. But we praise the Lord for his faithfulness to that five-year-old whose dad was put in jail for preaching the gospel. We thank the Lord that Philemon has been faithful to God's call upon him, and God has blessed him and been faithful and is still being faithful as he's 
helping to lead our denomination. I, I, I kind of feel like the, the writer of the Hebrews this morning. You know, the writer of the Hebrews says, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Benjamin and Albino and Gladys and Lucia and Gervasio and Enoch and Joao, who through faith have, have built schools and pastored churches and evangelized new areas and extended the kingdom of God all across Mozambique. They're, they're just a small selection of the many who have answered God's call to serve him across Mozambique and at other parts of the world. And it's through their ministry and their leadership that the church continues to grow and to reach men and women and boys and girls for Jesus. Uh, just a year ago, we had the privilege of going back to Mozambique to help celebrate the centenary of the Church of the Nazarene in that country. We made our way out into the bush to that mission station that had served as the headquarters for our church there for many years. And, and we were blown away as we came around the corner out of the bush and here's this big huge tent. It must have been a hundred yards long and half again as wide. And there were people everywhere. There were, there were close to 5,000 people there out in the bush ready to celebrate all that God had done over the last hundred years. They had, they had gathered to celebrate God's faithfulness. And during that, that celebration, they ordained 17 new elders. And we heard reports of how the church was continuing to grow. When we left Mozambique, there were 135,000 Nazarenes in Mozambique. And we heard at the celebration, we're, we're now 225,000. There's more Nazarenes in Mozambique than any other country in the world after the United States. And we praise the Lord for his faithfulness. He is faithful forever. And, and, and as you have prayed and as you have given to the World Evangelism Fund, you've been a part of what God has been doing there. It's here and there, it's global. As the church has been faithful to Mozambique, he's also been faithful to all of us here in America as well. And, and he still calls us to be faithful. And, and we may ask the question, well, how, how are we to be faithful? And there are many ways, but I've boiled it down to four. We need to be faithful to pray. That's number one. The most important thing we can do is to pray. We were praying this past weekend for a missionary in trouble in a place far from us here. And God was faithful and answered that prayer. We need to pray for our local church and your local pastors. And for our general church around the world and for our missionaries. And we need to pray for the lost who need to come to Christ. We need to be faithful in giving. Our World Evangelism Fund and the work of the Nazarene Missions International. That work is so important. NMI keeps us informed so we know how to pray and know how to give. We need to be faithful to go. Sometimes the mission field may just be next door. We've got people speaking all kinds of languages living around us these days. We may not have to learn the language, but we can love them. Sometimes the mission field is temporary. How many have been on a work and witness trip? Yeah, keep going, as, as age permits. <laughs> work and witness teams make such a big difference. 
and that's opportunity to go. Sometimes God calls people to be missionaries still. And, and I was kind of disappointed when the kids left. Because that's the age that God calls people to be missionaries. I was 12 when God said, David, I want you to go to Africa. And he calls kids younger than that. And he calls teenagers to go. And so if, if God should call one of your kids, <laughs> let him go. And that's the fourth thing that we need to be faithful is, is to send those who are called. Sometimes moms and dads and grandparents don't want their kids to answer God's call. In these days, they say, you don't make much money. That's the big consideration of Americans today. How much money have you got? How much money can you make? Well, that's not the most important thing, I hate to tell you. And if God should call your kids or your grandkids, be faithful in sending them and letting them go. I'm so grateful for a mom and dad who when I was called to go, they sent us with their blessing. I can remember we were home on furlough in 2006. My dad had passed away the year before and uh, we were getting ready to go back to the field at the end of the summer. And we were with my mom, and uh, we were having one more cup of tea together before we were leaving for the airport. And my dad's big lazy boy chair was empty. And she said, you know, it's been so nice having you close by these last few months. And I really wish you could be here more but I would rather have you halfway around the world in the center of God's will than next door and out of God's will. So you go, and we'll be praying, because God is faithful. We've seen how God is faithful, and it goes right along with God's love, and he's faithful because he loves us, and we can trust him with our lives no matter where he calls us or where he sends us. So be faithful. Be faithful to pray and to give and to go and to send if it's your kids that he calls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your faithfulness to us and for your faithfulness to your church around the world. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that we too would be faithful to serve you wherever you would call and however you would use us. We give you thanks and praise for your goodness to us and for your faithfulness. In, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Brother David. Thank you so much for that word. As you were talking, I was thinking about our world today. You were mentioning a missionary that was in trouble, maybe the same one we're, we've been praying for. In Church Nazarene, we have what we call creative access countries. And those are countries where we can't name 
where people are for their safety and for the safety of those they serve. We've been praying for someone who's um, just this week had to have um, some meetings um, with, with, and we have it on our prayer list, with someone and uh, in the country they're serving at, and we need to continue to be praying for them. It made me think about God is working in that. God's working in that circumstance, that situation. I think as you were talking, I was thinking, we look around at our world, in our world, in America, and we go, you know, it sure doesn't look like God's doing much sometimes. But God is working all around the world. Look what hap- is happening in a place like Mozambique and 5,000 people jam into a tent. That's God who is at work in our world. And sometimes we look around and we wonder, but God is faithful. I heard that over and over. God is faithful. What a full circle this is going to be for us in some ways that David Restrick and Rhoda are here today, and they ministered with Eugenia Duarte, who is going to be our faith promise speaker this spring, who just retired as a general superintendent who's been all over the world coming out of that African region. So this reminds us that the church isn't just us right here. It's so much bigger than that. And we're part of something so much bigger than just what we have here. So if you want to um, continue to be praying, it's a great opportunity this time of year to catch up on our faith promise giving. Or if you want to give a Thanksgiving offering to missions, that's what it's going to go to. But more than anything, I think the most important thing I heard today was this. Where am I to go? Where am I to go? Who am I to go to? My mission field may be right down Ferry Road or maybe around the world. Where's your mission field? Where's that God wants you to go? Wherever you go and I go, he will be faithful. Thanks be to God. Let's stand together.